I can't tell you what a joy it is to be with you. Uh, I think this is more for me than it is for you. Um, seeing so many friends, and uh, some of you look the same. And some of you don't. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Todd, I'm loving that beard you got going there. I don't know what to think about that. That is not of the Lord, that's all I got to say. So, I got to work on that, son. All right, hey, listen, it is an honor and a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you today and just to spend a day with you and uh, just connecting with you again. Uh, Brother Lynn, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, fill the pulpit this morning. It is an honor to be able to do that. Uh, I just think about how God's sovereignty brought Lynn and Brenda to Faith Baptist Church to lead this church. And I think servants, servants, and um, God put the right people in the right place at the right time to lead this church. Amen. I just got one disclaimer. Brother Lynn probably gives you filet mignon on Sunday morning. I hope you're okay with Hamburger Helper today. Uh, uh, so we'll see. We'll see exactly how that works out. Um, barbecue. All right. So um, my message this morning is going to be focused on those of you who've ever felt like throwing in the towel, who's ever felt like quitting, who's ever felt like I've had too much, I can't do it, whether it's in a marriage that this is too difficult, this cannot be solved, the fighting, the difficulty, the stress is too much, I'm done. Or maybe you're in a spot, and I have sat with people who've contemplated suicide, and they said, this world is better off without me than with me. I wanted to throw in the towel, maybe spiritually, through this pandemic, and you just think, things are too difficult, it's too scary, there's too much anxiety, there's too much depression, I cannot do this walk with God, this relationship with God. Maybe your involvement with this church, that life has gotten so out of control that you just wanted to throw in the towel and say, I'm done. But I want to share with you today, through the Word of God, that you don't get to quit. Right? You don't get to quit. When I think of Faith Baptist Church, there are several rooms that come in my mind. I think about the Fellowship Center, and I think about the World Mission Seminar that I see in there with all of the flags that represent the nations and how the gospel goes out to all those nations, and all the work that went in to preparing for that. And Brother Lynn, I have a secret to tell you. You had the table set so immaculately that I might have moved one just to see if it would be moved back into the exact place. And it was. <laughs> but I think about the World Mission Seminar. I think about that room filled with students and a praise band. I think about Kidstown. And Jamie Warren Craig built this incredible ministry where they were putting the gospel out for children. And I think about the dining hall, the great food that we celebrated in there, and FBI that met in there. Brother Ray Carroll helped get that going. But the most important thing that happened in the dining hall, can you guess what it is? Dominoes, dominoes. <laughs> Serious competition in that dining hall. I think about this room 
I think about all the lives that were changed, marriages that were restored, people that have given their lives to Jesus in this very room. I think about people who've been called to ministry in this room. I just think about how God restored and built and changed. And I believe the baptistry was here previously. And John, you remember I had, when we were baptized and had to put on some, some dingy waiters, right? And I remember you reaching over and grabbing the curtain to pull it over because we were a little bit behind on technology then. Um, but I remember those moments. And all you could see is lives that were changed. Someone that was identified with Christ after giving their life to Jesus and the life change that happened in this room. I remember we had a youth celebration, right? That purity conference. And there was this youth minister that came in and brought in a band called Pocket Full of Rocks to lead worship. And some of you guys thought that the cheese has slid off my cracker um, <laughs> when I brought that band in. You looked at me kind of like, not so sure about this guy, right? So many great things. Uh, Brother Lynn mentioned the Destiny House. One of my favorite memories, memories that I have is when the stairs that go into heaven was there. Charlie Briscoe comes out with his hands open wide and the scar nails in his hands. You could see that. There was one boy from the community that could not distinguish that Charlie was an actor. He thought that was literally Jesus Christ, and he ran up on the stage and embraced him, and Charlie didn't skip a beat, but what he did is he embraced him, changed that boy's life because of what happened. That was a powerful moment that happened in this room. I think about the Trek House and Awana that happened. Such diversity from our community and lives that were changed. I hated driving that yellow bus. Can I say that spiritually, righteously? I hated driving that yellow bus. But we were changing lives. Changing lives. There's so much ministry that's happened in Faith Baptist Church and over the years, and we haven't even talked about mission trips. The Navajo Nation, trips to Mexico, trips to see Kim Williams, uh, Camp Barnabas, all of these things that have happened. And with that in mind, I want to ask you a question as we get into the message. Has the Great Commission and the Great Commandment changed? No. The Great Commission is that Jesus says, I'm sending you out that you might preach and teach the gospel so that people might be saved and they might obey all things I've commanded to you. And the great commandment is one that he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul, and then love your neighbor as yourself. If those were true in the inception with Brother Freddie and this being nothing but a dirt yard or a dirt parking lot, and then the establishment of this church and all the ministries that happened, the great commandment and the great commission are still the same today as they were then. The, the, the look of this room is different. And I think it's beautiful. And I think it encourages worship. And I love that I can see all your faces. And I feel like we are in a living room because we're so close and intimate. And this is a beautiful room. And it may look different, but the Great Commission and the Great Commandment still are our focus, is the focus of this church. Amen. And we got to continue on, and we cannot quit 
on that mission and purpose for this church. And so what I want to do this morning is encourage you to keep on, to continue to press forward, to not give up, to not give in, to not relent, to not throw in the towel. we got to keep moving forward because there is a mission for this church, and I believe that God has that in store. I want to read to you from Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 23. Would you stand with me as I read this passage? I want to honor the Word of God as life-changing and alive. And just to acknowledge that there's power in the Word of God. Listen to this. By faith, when he was born, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. And they were not afraid of the king's commands. By faith, Moses, when he came to age, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt by fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he destroy the firstborn that should touch them. By faith, he passed. Uh, by faith, he passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempted to do so and were drowned. Father God, in this moment, we want to be still and recognize that you are in this room. And you have led us to this moment. And Father, we submit to you and ask you to lead us and ask you to teach us and ask you to move us from the places that we don't need to be into the places that we do need to be because it is kingdom and about accomplishing your mission. We love you, we trust you, and we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So thinking about all that I had mentioned to you about what has been accomplished, we don't get to quit, we don't get to throw in the towel. Now I've got to take you back a little bit. And some of you are very righteous, and you're not going to be able to follow this illustration, but it's okay. Hang with me, YouTube. Rocky Five. Rocky Five. You with me? Rocky Five. Anybody remember that? We got Rocky Balboa, we got Apollo Creed, and Ivan Dragoff, right? You know what I'm talking about? The Russian, the machine, the Russian. Apollo Creed begins to get in the, the ring with him and fight with Ivan Dragoff, right? He is being pulverized. Rocky Balboa has a towel in his hand, and he's going to throw in the towel. But his wife is saying, Apollo Creed's wife is saying, throw in the towel. But he made a deal with Apollo that he would not throw in the towel. And he was caught in a moment. Should I save his life? Should I not do this? I think you and I have moments like that where we just want to quit. We just, we just want to quit. We want to throw in the towel because we can't see 
how things are going to work out. And let me just say, what we have been through with the pandemic has damaged the direction of the local church. It has put us in a place, it has stunted our growth to a place where a lot of us feel like it's time to throw in the towel and quit. I think that's, that's the reason why we have an epidemic of quitters today. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. I went on a website, so this is completely valid and reliable. Um, um, it says, listen to this, signs that your marriage is not worth saving, right? Signs that your marriage is not worth saving. You can't understand each other's perspectives. You are no longer each other's main priority. You lack communication. Um, you're not attracted to each other anymore. You don't agree on anything. Progress is one-sided. You are no longer you. You no longer share interest. There's a lot of distrust. You lack c- connection, and you don't feel supported. That title says, "Signs your marriage is not worth saving." And then you see this list, and you think, "What?" Right? The title should be "Signs that you are married." That's what it should be. <laughs> right? Agree? Right. Uh, signs that you are married. But we got it wrong. Now, now, why is that website published? Because we live in an epidemic of quitters where it's easier to quit than to fight. It's easier to quit than it is to fight. In the context of a marriage, you're going to have problems. You're going to disagree. You're going to get on each other's nerves. You are going to struggle. But when we talk about marriage, we talk about fighting. When God brings two people together in marriage, it is not his intent that they would be apart. And so you fight, right? You put in the fight. You don't take the easy road out. The grass is not greener on the other side, so don't quit, right? In our walk with God, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a struggle. Sin is going to become a problem for us. And we are going to struggle with sin. We're going to struggle with problems. We're going to struggle with being carried away by the pleasures of the day. But we can't quit. We've got to continue on that course. And as a local church, Faith Baptist Church is one of the greatest churches I've been a part of. And for several reasons. Because one, you are a family. You are a close family. You are a close family. And that's one of the things I love about you. I went and thought, I'm going off script here. I I, I went and thought about the people who have passed away in our church or in this. I keep calling, I'm I'm, I'm your church now. I'm a part of your church. I've just resigned my church all of a sudden. Now I'm at faith. Um, I keep, I don't know, maybe that's a Freudian slip. But I thought about people like Sharon Castile. I thought about Robert Johnson. Thought about Taylor Roark. Thought about Kip Jackson. I thought about Austin Snyder. Thought about Robert and Janice. And I have missed so many for me to think about. And what I know is each one of those people that passed broke you as a church. Because you're family. Because when one person hurts, we all hurt. When one person struggles, we all struggle. Right? We, we do life together, and we're in it for the long haul. And this church is centered around family. And that's why this church has been so successful and so much about life changes. Because what we do, we do together as a family. Right? There's no separation 
in the people that are a part of this church. And that's what I love about Faith Baptist Church is its family. And I feel like I'm part of your family and, and, and I'm connected to you. And there's some long-term relationships that I don't think will ever go away because of what we share together. But here's what I want to point out when we think about quitting in our, in our culture. I'm going to share two words with you real quickly, and then I'm going to make one point, and then we'll jump in. <clears throat> Endurance and perseverance. Endurance, <clears throat> Endurance is the ability to face adverse conditions and not give up. Endurance is the ability to face adverse conditions and not give up. But perseverance is the ability to push through difficult situations, obstacles, and discouragement. Now, is there a difference between endurance and perseverance? Yes. There's a difference. One, you are standing your ground. You're dealing with opposition. You're dealing with problems, and I will not move. Perseverance says, I'm going to push through no matter what's in front of me. No matter what I face. And the reason why we've landed on this topic this morning, this day, is because through all that has happened through the pandemic, the local church has been in a survival mode position. That I will stand our ground. We are happy just to be together in an auditorium like this to worship. We are happy just to be here. We are happy just to be in the room. But has God not called us to persevere and to push through? Have we not been given the great commission and the great commandment to press forward so that we can make the kingdom of God exalted and known and reach men and women and boys and girls to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior? Have we not equipped the church to be equipping the saints to lead people to do the ministry of the gospel? Have we not been about sending people all over the world to share the gospel that everybody might know? Is that not the purpose of the church? Right? We have obstacles. We've had obstacles all around. But sometimes I think we have gotten to a place where we have stopped persevering and just enduring because we're just trying to survive. There has definitely been a shift in our culture that has caused us to be this way. And can I be real transparent with you? There have been several times in my ministry that I've wanted to quit. I wanted to quit because it's been hard, because it's been difficult. Anything that we have that's significant in our life, it's worth fighting for, but it's also tempting to quit. And I think it's vital for the local church in this season, in this time, for us to not settle with surviving, but persevering and to move forward. So let's, let's jump into this text, and I'm just going to mention three things to you this morning. Reasons why we quit. The first reason why we quit is we forget about God's kingdom. Reasons why we might quit is because we forget about God's kingdom. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and were not afraid of the king's commands. What you have to understand about this text is context. You have to understand Joseph was in a place of power and in favor with the Pharaoh, but the 
but Joseph has died, and then you have this new Pharaoh that's taken over who does not realize what's happened before. And so there's 400 years of slavery, of bondage, of persecution, of adversity that the nation of Israel has to be under. They're under a tyranny. They are being forced labor. They are being treated cruelly. They are beaten, and they are forced to work beyond their limits. And then we see Moses' parents that said, we were not afraid of the king's commands. That stands out to me to say these people realize that God's kingdom was greater than the culture of their day. God's kingdom was greater than the culture of their day. And they realized that it was, and that's what they lived for, and that's why they made that decision. Everything... Listen to this. Everything that I've wanted to do that was significant, that I felt like quitting, and the reason why I felt like quitting is because I made it about me. That's just me being honest. Uh, Brother Lynn, sometimes I want to quit because these people left my church and I thought we were friends. thought we were family. It hurt my feelings. It was about me. Right? I had an expectation of the way things I wanted to go, but then somebody criticized the things that I, my plans, and they shut my plans down. I made it about me. I have, I have ideas and expectations of what I want my family to be like, what I want my kids to be like, and when it doesn't go that way, I make it about me, and then all of a sudden I want to quit, and I want to stop trying. Listen, in, in, in an exciting moment in our family, uh, last week I, I had the opportunity to baptize all three of my kids. It was a beautiful day, beautiful day. But I knew in my mind when we had kids, I was going to be the one to share the gospel with them, to pray with them, and to baptize them, right? But it was somebody else, some guy named Runks Runkles, who was at our church at a youth revival that got through to them. Every night we prayed for salvation. Every night I told them about the gospel. Every night I prayed that God would allow that to happen. But it wasn't me that God used. It was an evangelist. I struggled because I was making it about me. And not the fact that my kids would know Jesus Christ personally and powerfully and they would have a home in eternity. It wasn't about God's kingdom. It was about Jacob's kingdom. The reason why we quit sometimes is because we make things about us. Humility is when we realize everything belongs to God. Pride is when we say, this is mine. When we say, this is my family, this is my money, these are my kids, this is my church, all of a sudden, we lose sight of the kingdom of God. I would say this, this is an issue of honor. Moses' parents realized it was an issue of honor. You know, the Bible teaches us we're supposed to honor God, honor our parents, honor our spouses, honor our pastors. Matter of fact, in 1 Timothy, it says that we're supposed to give double honor to our pastors and spiritual leaders, right? So what is, what is this word honor? I'm going to give you some Greek words, but I am not a Greek scholar, so take this with a grain of salt and consult with the real Scholars. Don Witten is a scholar, right? Uh, Don's like, don't call on me. Uh, but listen to this. Listen to this. This word 
atomos in the, the Greek means dishonor. It means to treat something as common or ordinary. Now, the word time, or it spells like, it looks like time, time is honor, to treat something of value and respect, to be highly esteemed, to be precious. So here's what I would ask you. When we think about God's kingdom, do we treat that as common or ordinary? Or do we treat it as something to be highly esteemed or precious or valuable or weighty? In this moment, right now, in this moment, is this a common moment? Is this an ordinary moment? Or is this something that's special, highly respected, highly esteemed? In your marriage, do you treat your spouse as ordinary or common? Or do you treat them highly esteemed, highly respected, highly loved, highly cared for? We're talking about honor or dishonor. In our lives, we can forget about the kingdom of God because we fail to honor the kingdom of God. And we treat it as common or ordinary. And that's how we do that. So we've got to stop quitting those things that have the potential to change us. As a church, as a people, as an individual, we've got to remember to honor the kingdom of God. The second thing I would tell you is that we forget who we are. <clears throat> we forget who we are. Listen to this. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That's a huge word, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction or affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward. One of the things you have to understand about this culture, the book of Hebrews, he's writing to Jews who are wanting to go back to the old system, the system of Moses, the Mosaic covenants, the Mosaic commands, the Mosaic culture. They were wanting to go back to that. And the book of Hebrews is all about that Jesus Christ is superior. He's the superior high priest. He has a superior plan. It's all about them adjusting to something new because they wanted to go back to the old system. And when Moses came to a place in his life, and you're familiar with this, when he saw the Egyptian and the Hebrew fighting that he killed the Egyptian, right? He, he made a decision in that moment. He made a choice in that moment to be identified with God and not Pharaoh. Listen to this. He said, choosing rather to suffer affliction with God's people than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Right? So he said there was a choice that he made. And a fork in the road, I can go down here and be with the Pharaoh and have all the money, have all the power, have all the prestige, maybe the next Pharaoh in line. He had a choice to do that or he had a choice to suffer. And he chose to suffer. He made a choice to be identified with God than with Pharaoh. And it says, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. That, that part of that verse has really captured my attention. What was he looking to? What was he thinking about? You can look at Hebrews 10.35. Let me see if I have this right here. Hebrews 10.35. I want to read you a verse. Hebrews 10.35 
says this, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has a great reward. Do not cast away your confidence, for it has a great reward. He says, for you need to, you need, you have a need of endurance, so that after you have done so, the will of God, you may receive this, the promise. For yet a little while, and he, capital H, he, who is coming, will come and not tarry. So in chapter 10, he says this. He says, if you don't lose your confidence, there will be a reward that Jesus is coming back one day. And Jesus will be our reward if we remain consistent and we remain on task and we don't give up. And then he jumps over here to chapter 11 and he says this. The reason why Moses made a choice to be identified with Israel and not Pharaoh is because he was motivated by the reward. That he knew what was going to come in the future. And he knew that that's what's going to happen. And so in the old system, they believed that your sin could be atoned for by the blood of bulls and goats and offerings to high priests. He knew that there was, that in that old system, that's the way it worked. And I need to pause and say this. Uh, you can be forgiven of your sin right now. Right? You don't need the blood of bulls and goats, and you don't need to go to a high priest. You don't need ten steps to follow, and you don't need to do anything else but call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's what you need to do. Romans 10 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Right? Um, and in Romans 6 23, it says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And John 3.16 tells us that God loved this world so much that he sent his one and only son so that why? So that we could have eternal life with him forever. So it's available to you. It's available to me in this moment right now. I don't have to sacrifice anything. I don't have to go to a priest. All I got to do is call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And that's exactly all we have to do. But this is an issue of identity and Moses made a choice in terms of his identity let me tell you this Galatians 2.20 says I'm crucified with Christ it's no longer I live but he lives in me Galatians 4.7 says you are no longer slaves but sons and if sons heirs 1 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that all things have become new the old has passed and the new has come we're not the same that we used to be. We're not the same that we used to be. I'm going to ask you to participate in an exercise. This is uncomfortable. I know that you don't like it, but go with me anyway because I'm the one with the microphone. All right? So go with me, all right? I want you to repeat after me just a few phrases. Repeat after me, and, and don't whisper like this is a weak moment. Remember, this is, this is we're honoring God. This is not common or ordinary. Repeat after me. I am loved by God. I am forgiven by God. I'm chosen by God. I'm a child of God. I'll say that again. I'm loved by God. I'm forgiven by God. I'm a child of God. I'm chosen by God. 
We could sit here and say, I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I am loved by God. I'm forgiven by God. I'm forgiven by God. We could sit here and repeat this. Sometimes we fail to grasp that truth, but we are who God says we are. That we are identified with Jesus Christ. We are no longer what we used to be, or we are no longer a product of our past. Because when we said yes to Jesus, we became new, new creatures in Christ Jesus. And our identity has changed. The reason why we quit sometimes is we forget that we are children of God. That we have a new kingdom we're living for. We have a new purpose we're living for. And we lose sight of that identity. And that's why we have a tendency to do that. I heard somebody say this. Somebody said, we are sinners. Are, he says it this way. Are we sinners that sometimes go to church? Or are we children of God who sometimes sin? I'm going to say that again so you can understand it. We are, are, are we sinners who sometimes go to church? Or are we children of God who sometimes sin? It obviously should be that we are followers of Jesus Christ who sometimes sin. Right? And so if you're an accountant, you're a child of God who is sometimes an accountant. If you're an electrician, you're a child of God who's sometimes an electrician. If you're a pastor, you're, you're, you're a pastor who, who loves what they do and called that, but you are a follower of God who is sometimes is a pastor. Do you get that? Our identity is in Christ, and God gives us a mission to live out that calling that he has given us. Our identity is in Christ. Last thing I'll tell you real quick is we forget to grow. Man, this is a hard one right here. Hebrews eleven twenty-seven through 29. I'll just run through this. It says, by faith he forsook Egypt. By faith he kept the Passover. By faith he passed through the Red Sea. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And if you were to go back to Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And so he talks about faith. And Warren Wisby gives a great definition of what's being said here. He says, True faith, true faith is confident obedience to God's word, regardless of circumstances or consequences. Say that again. True faith is true faith in God is confident obedience to God's word regardless of circumstances and consequences. And that's what we're talking about when he says by faith, by faith, by faith. What's really interesting to the Hebrews, to the book of Hebrews, to the Jewish readers was listen, they're trying to go back to the old system, and he's saying it's by faith in Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah, that all of those things were accomplished. By faith is how that was accomplished but i need to tell you when moses killed the egyptian he got a little ahead of himself it wasn't god's time it was probably the wrong way to handle the situation right murder is not a good idea right <laughs> but he thought it was his time hey acts chapter 7 and verse 25 
Stephen records the account of Moses and he says, Moses assumed his fellow Israelites would realize that God had sent him to rescue him, but they didn't. But they didn't. Moses, in the moment that he defended the Israelite by killing the Egyptian, he thought it was his time to deliver the nation of Israel. And then in the next moment, down to verse 29, you'll see in, in Acts chapter 7, what happens is, is there's two Hebrews fighting, and they said, who made you boss? Aren't, are you going to kill us like you did the Egyptian? So he went into the desert for 40 years, took care of sheep, built a family. But his maturity was a process. He had to grow in his faith. And when it was time, there was a burning, burning bush that God led him to that caused him to say, now it's time to set my people free. Now it's time. You see, sometimes we forget to grow, and when we forget to grow, we feel like quitting. We feel like giving in and giving up. We feel like giving in and giving up. Let me give you a principle to live by. And I heard this from someone else. I can't take credit for this. It says... God is in control, but God doesn't always take control. Principle to live by. God is in control, but he doesn't always take control. That means if you're trying to work out and exercise, God wants you to be healthy, but God's not going to set your alarm and tell you to food prep, right? You're going to have to take control. If you're struggling with anger, God doesn't want you to lash out in anger and be that way, but God wants you to manage it, and you have to manage it. If you struggle with anxiety, God's desire is not that you live in fear, but you have to manage your anxiety. Is this a biblical concept, or is this just a fancy way to say something? If you look at Galatians 6, 5, you'll see that every man is responsible for his own work. And so there's a part that God does and there's a part that you do. If you do the possible, God will do the impossible. Amen. Did you hear what I said? If you do the possible, God will do the impossible. Amen. That means you've got to take care of business at home. You've got to love your wife. You've got to love your husband. You've got to put in the work. You've got to fight for your marriage. You've got to fight with your kids. You've got to keep them on track to be focused on the gospel and be about God's kingdom. You've got to fight there. You have to fight with culture that doesn't want you to uh, live out your faith. He wants you to be quiet about your faith. wants you to just go to church and do it within a confined space. wants you to keep it to yourself and keep your mouth shut, right? So you have to fight for your faith and you have to fight for the right to be able to speak the words of God, that we will not be silent. We will speak of who God is and what he's done and what he's about, right? That's what we have to do. We have to fight that. But listen, God is in control, but he's not always going to take control. So we have to do the hard work of maturing. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, I want to give up because I'm tired of being on this cycle? I'm tired of being on this train? I have. Is it possible that sometimes you're praying that God would take something away? Remove something, but God's waiting for you to grow up. Ouch. Can I say that out loud? That sounds, that sounds like an ouch statement. Ouch. But is it possible that you're praying for God to remove an addiction, but God's waiting for you 
to mature? Is it possible? You talk about anger, you talk about marriage, you talk about money, you talk about things that we struggle with day to day, and we're praying that God would just come in and miraculously fix all of this, and God's saying, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to live by faith. I'm waiting for you to have more confidence in me than your own willpower. I'm waiting for you to realize the problem's not with me, but it's a change that you need to make. Is it possible that that's happening? And I think it happens to all of us. So listen, I know it's easy for us to want to throw in the towel. It's easy. And can we just have a moment of honesty and get out of the get out of the mindset that we're in church and there's something that's going to happen after this and we skip through this moment, but is it possible that you're in a place where you want to give up? Is it possible you want to give up because why? Because we've lost sight of God's kingdom. It's not a priority. We don't honor that. Our identity is in this world and not in Christ. Is it possible that that's part of the problem? Is it possible that we've stopped growing spiritually? And that's why it's not a priority for us. And so we quit. Is it possible? Craig Rochelle said this statement, successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what others do occasionally. And I don't have time to read this to you, but in Hebrews chapter 5, it says that maturity is when we constantly practice, when, when there's constant practice to distinguish good from evil. There are people that live on milk and those who live on meat, and what distinguishes them is those people who are consistently in the Word of God growing. What do we need to mature? We need to be consistently in the Word of God. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Listen to me, I hope to encourage you this morning. I hope this doesn't land on you as a downer or discouragement that, hey, we're not doing something right. I feel like that we're in a place with all that's happened with the pandemic that we are in survival mode. And it's time for the church to rise. It's time for this church to rise and say, listen, we're on a mission. We are on a mission. There's a great commission. There's a great commandment for us. And we're on a mission. The same mission that was there when Brother Freddie began to construct this building. And, and a group of you possibly were a part of that. The same mission that was true then is true now. It has not changed. We have been distracted. And we have been, um, we've been pulled aside by fear and by worry, and by our culture, by politics, by all the things in our world, and we have forgotten about the mission because we're trying to survive. So I don't know if you're in a situation in your marriage where you're ready to throw in the towel, or spiritually, or heaven forbid, in life when you're considering that this world is better off without you than with you. I don't, I don't, I don't know where you're at. But this is a divine moment. For you to deal with that, to make a commitment to God, to say to God that I'm not quitting. I'm going to take that towel and I'm going to wipe the sweat off my brow, but I'm not going to throw in the towel, right? I'm not going to quit. 
I wrote this down and I wanted to read it to you because I think it's true of this church. We are too grown not to give up and we have seen too much not to quit. We have seen too much to quit. We know too much to walk away. We have overcome too much to walk away. Amen? Amen. We've overcome too much to walk away. There is a battle to fight. There is so much at stake. And there's too much connected to you to quit. There's too much connected to you to quit. Instead of quitting, what we need to do is we need to shift. Right? We need to shift. We need to be reminded of why we started. And we need to push through. We need to push through. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me and close your eyes for a moment. Um, Brother Todd's going to help us with our invitation in just a moment. But I want to speak to you for just a minute. If you'll just close your eyes and bow your heads as we have a moment of invitation. I just want to ask you to be honest with yourself right where you're at. Everybody's head bowed and every eye closed. I just want to ask you if you've felt like you want to quit. Maybe you've already thrown in the towel. And with every head bowed and every eyes closed, I want to ask you, if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can see you and pray for you? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I see it. I see it. Anybody else? I see your hand. You feel like quitting, feel like you can't do it, feel like it's not worth it. I see you. I see you. And I want to say to you, those who raised your hand, that God is greater than any circumstance you can be faced with. God is greater than any pain that we can endure. God is faithful and true. God said that he would walk, through, walk with us through every dark valley we face. You can't give up. Before you walk out of this room, I want you to talk to somebody. Whether it's a prayer of commitment of what I need to do or confession of where I'm at. This is a moment for you to say to God, my faith in you is greater than the circumstance. Maybe this morning you're in a place where you want to be a part of this church, you want to be a part of life change, you know you're not saved. This is a great opportunity for you to do business with God. We're going to pray and give you an opportunity to do business with God. Don't miss this moment. Father God, we love you and trust you, and we know you're in this service, we know you're in this church, and God, we know you're alive and active and powerful. And although we go through difficult times in life, we are not alone. And you have a plan that's greater than anything that we can ever face. We submit to you now, and we ask your Holy Spirit to work in this next moment during this time of invitation. Lead us and guide us. Father, be honored and glorified. In your name I pray. Amen.